This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. So start off by telling me, are you really fine? everyone and welcome to this week's episode of No Really I'm Fine. I am joined today by Freddie Cocker. Hi Freddie, are you okay? Hi Gemma, how are you? I'm not too bad, thanks. How, I'm good. I'm good to go. Uh, really excited to be here. Um, thanks very much for having me on. No, no, not a problem. Now, for those of you who don't know who Freddie is, he is a founder of Vent, which is a website dedicated to mental health, in particular men's mental health. And he has also recently launched a podcast for for that venture as well. So Freddie, are you really fine today? Uh, yeah, I think so, Gemma. Um, it's been, work's been quite um, full on up to Christmas, um, doing lots of Vent stuff as well, trying to do some podcasts um doing a lot of social media and and bits and bobs but uh, I've got a good good two week break now so looking forward to that and sort of decompressing so to speak yeah nice nice break for Christmas have you got any nice mm. plans for Christmas uh no just 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 quality family time really um doing some seeing some friends that I haven't had a chance to see for a while doing some friend admin I normally I call it <laughs> um so yeah, just just getting doing some things I didn't really get round to doing over over November and December, um, and just just looking forward to not doing a lot actually as well. Yeah, I imagine your role is quite quite a busy one. Yeah, definitely, and sort of managing vent is quite is a uh, quite a full time job so to speak in itself. So um, yeah, just looking forward to just sort of relaxing and switching off for a bit for sure. Okay, for those of you who who don't know Freddie, he's been quite vocal about his own mental health experiences on on Twitter and on other forms of social media. Now, Freddie, do you want to start from the beginning, from the first point when you decided to sort of be vocal about your own mental health experiences? Yeah, sure. So um, I started Vent in September 2017, and I wanted to do something in mental health since I was about 15 because of my own lived experiences. And also I sort of saw that there was a bit of a paucity of platforms where um, everyone, but especially men and boys, could sort of show vulnerability, show emotions that were outside sort of what people considered traditional forms of, of, of masculinity and sort of one-dimensional masculine emotions, so to speak. So, you know, braggadocio and, and toxic masculinity, so to speak. So, so when I started Vent, I realised that it would be a bit hypocritical of me to ask people to be open about their mental health issues or their own stories and not for me to do it myself so that was the first article I wrote for Venn was my own story and it's now sort of taken the form of seven or eight articles and an actual po- and podcast and a couple of podcast episodes I did with myself as well but the first one was the the catalyst for being open about my own story uh, and being able to share that with others as well. Is that the first time you've sort of been vocal about it? I mean, were your family and friends aware of, of those problems you had in the past and, and still struggle with now? Uh, no, they weren't aware 
I sort of had said a couple things to really close friends whilst it was going on, but it wasn't until university that I was able to fully articulate even ten percent of what had happened, what um of bit of what happened to me in the past, which is which is I had been bullied for nine years in school. So it wasn't until I uh, was at university in a safe space where I felt like I was in a, a positive and, and welcoming social group and what actually transpired was that as I felt in a comfortable space and more sort of able to be myself my mental health sort of issues which had previously been bottled up for, for nine or so years had sort of exploded out into into the forefront basically culminated in in a really severe sort of mental health crisis in third year eventually um, and then sort of made me do eight weeks of cognitive behavioral therapy um, which was a, as a result of a mental health breakdown and then that was in 2015 and I started then in 2017 so it was still quite a while from that period until the point where I started vent where I could I actually felt like I could be open about my mental health issues um, and vent was the vehicle for that as well as helping others. You mentioned bullying was was a big sort of part of your childhood, unfortunately, and mm-hmm. and was ultimately what was a trigger for, for your mental health illnesses later on in life. Talk to me about your first experiences of that of that and and when it all started and and how it all started. Yeah, so I, I sort of I sort of say that if it wasn't for for the bullying, I probably still would have had, I imagine, sort of a low form of anxiety. I don't think that would have ever gone away or not been there if the bullying hadn't happened. But because of the bullying, it it became quite a severe sort of severe form of anxiety. If you're talking about it on a spectrum, severe form of depression, which is a lot easier to manage now, but was very severe back then. Um, And then obviously, uh, since I've come out of the bullying and I've come into adult life, you know, I've sort of developed complex PTSD which I think was probably another reason why I felt so unable to articulate it. I think that PTSD and those repressed memories and and the fact that I wasn't actually able to say that I had been bullied out of because due to the fear and the and the 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 stigma and embarrassment really I think what it was is more than anything the embarrassment of being of saying you've been bullied. I wasn't able to articulate that until I was 21 and going through that therapy. The first experiences of, of being of being bullied itself was, was quite a young age. So it was about seven. So in primary school, and it was one particular boy in my class. My, my, my school was very small. If you can imagine a very sort of sheltered primary school in East London, a very small class group. So only about 10 or 11 boys max. And if there's one boy who is he had a very well-developed adult mind if that makes sense he was able to use their emotions use things that might not seem that emotionally traumatic to bully someone he would use quite trivial things but would use it as a way to corral other boys into joining in he would be able to socially ostracize have the, the threat of socially ostracizing anyone who would sort of deviate from that mindset and he would use social techniques which would degrade and humiliate me to the point when I where I didn't feel able to stand up for myself at any point and obviously if you're in a class of 10 11 boys and you're the only one who's being bullied it's very hard for you to break out of that because you have no allies to draw upon it's quite a scary thing as well for a child of that young age to behave in that way yeah I think you know 
obviously it carried on when I, I changed school into secondary school. But in primary school, your your world and your universe is, is very small. And in secondary school, you obviously have different classes and it's a much bigger school and it's easier to get lost in. And there's obviously downsides to that as well. But when you're in primary school, you're, you're with your whole class, you're with your one class, you know, from reception to year six and you're there with them all the time. There's no escape from it, if that makes sense. So if it, if there is a day where you are being picked on, you, you can't really run away. You can't find a place where you can be away from it, even if it's on, even if you're on your own. So it, it definitely was tough. I mean, I was very privileged in the sense that my teachers in primary school were, were amazing. I never felt like I didn't have support from teachers at that time. Mm. Um, I, had a, I had a great head teacher who, when it was discovered that my my bully had, my primary school bully had sexually assaulted me well, after my mum had, had, had told him what had happened and or it had been reported he intervened and he was very much that first teaching figure as a man that I felt quite a lot of protection from he wasn't an overly emotional man he wasn't a, a man who would sort of put an arm around me or give me a hug or whatever but he he was very much there for me when I needed it and perhaps when I didn't really realize he was he was that either so definitely a very scary time for a child you know you, you haven't really formed an identity or felt comfortable in your own identity so if you're being picked on for that then you will naturally run away from the characteristics that make you who you are you will feel stigma at the things or or traits that that make up who you are so it is definitely very very difficult for any for any especially young a young child to uh, to have gone through it mentioned earlier so you were bullied for quite some time in primary school and then mm-hmm. it carried on into secondary school mm-hmm. is that right yeah that's correct yeah so how did that carry on was it just from from other other pupils then yeah so I, I joined the secondary school um which was quite a long way away from me it was about an hour and a bit travel wise so I had to get a couple of buses and a train and and when I started getting bullied there it was it very much felt like because of the distance that I was traveling to and from school, it almost felt like I was going to prison every day mm. um, because of not just because of the the, the, the travel distance wise, but also the, the culture that was in the school. It was very, I sort of describe it in previous podcasts and interviews that I've done as sort of prison culture meets 90210. If that makes sense. Very, very rough school, probably one of the roughest in the area, if not sort of the London, the greater London area. If you can imagine the very worst ideals of what toxic masculinity could be in a school environment, especially amongst boys, then that school really summed it up. You know, it was there was a serious amount of homophobia. It was there was a serious amount of Islamophobia present. You know, if you showed any other motion outside of sort of sexual braggadocio, violence, you were sort of derided as a boy. If you if you showed any form of emotion publicly. Am I allowed to swear on this pod or not? Yeah. So you were sort of called a pussy if you uh, if you showed any sort of emotion that was deemed feminine in inverted mm. commas. Football. I love football. I'm a massive, massive football fan. But football was very much used as a social hierarchical tool, a way of demeaning boys, a way of creating a a hierarchy that would be used in throughout the the years that you were in school. And it was probably one of the the worst places you could be if you were struggling to fit in as a person, struggling to fit in as a man, or figuring out who you were. From year seven to year nine, I was bullied by three boys in my class, and 
that usually took the form of physical abuse as well as emotional abuse. And then from year nine to year 11, it was very much my own social group. The people you fought were your friends. Yeah, exactly. I didn't really ever feel like I had any friends at school because of people used to say that, you know, everyone used to hate me and people used to tell me to go kill myself and all sorts of other horrific things that I probably won't, couldn't couldn't really discuss on this pod for fear of of triggering people. Um, But from year nine to 11, it was, it was very much the social group. It was, it was physical abuse um, on a daily basis. They sort of felt it was a jokey thing, but it was, it wasn't really to me. And then sort of year 11 was when I was actually cyberbullied by my person in my group. So I came back from a family holiday in year 11. I think it was year 11. Memory of it always sometimes isn't the greatest. But um, I remember coming back and I'm not sure how old you are, Gemma, but but for me, Facebook was only the only social media platform that I had in school. And that was only what I got in year 10. Mm. Um, So I sort of joke that... I was, I was pretty lucky that I was only bullied on Facebook and not on WhatsApp and Instagram and all these other things now, which I, I feel so sorry for the kids who are growing up. Mm. Um, but I got back and Facebook obviously wasn't on your phone yet either. So I got back and uh, someone had in my group had said, you, you know, I, I came up and it said like 25 notifications or whatever it was. And it said, um, this person has invited you to this this page or group or whatever it was. I think it was an open page. He had taken a really sort of embarrassing picture of me from a sort of sweet 16 party given it a a name of the group um invited all the year group to it and then when i got back it was just people making really really horrible comments on it um about me and obviously when you're when you're bullied you have you get certain paranoia about things you might be constantly looking over your shoulder you might be thinking certain people are saying things about you now that may not always be true but in this case all the things that I thought people were saying about me actually were all and all on this page, but even worse so to a worse degree. I imagine that fueled your anxiety even more because I have anxiety as well, and, and and most of the time it is things that your brain does trick you into believing things that aren't necessarily true. But for you to see that at such a young age as well, and it's almost like you were saying, you know, it's, it's that dread of going to going to school every day. You don't want to have to feel that dread going home as well. Yeah, exactly. Uh, for added context, I'd previously come, well, I'd tried to take my own life in year nine. So that was age 13. And I'd come close to taking my own life, maybe hundreds of times, sort of near misses sort of things, you know, getting close to doing it and then not. But to see that in such a visceral way and people just talking about it so casually and jokingly. And like you said, it is that dread of going into school the next day and having to go into conversations where people are going to bring it up or they might not bring it up or they might you mm. might think that they're talking about it when you walk past them or if you go into a conversation and everyone stops talking so in th- that immediately gave me an anxiety attack seeing those notifications and that still does leave a mental scar with me now so sometimes when I'm on social media or if I'm looking at my phone and someone says someone's tagged you in a photo or someone's tagged you in the post I always get that little pang of anxiety it's not it's not an anxiety attack but I've always got to make sure that it's not something embarrassing or it's not something that will you know make me feel bad and I always have to check it so I do say to my friends sometimes you know if you if you do have a photo of me that you want to share with me just send it to my phone don't put it on social media or I've actually changed my notification settings on social media. And I think everyone should do this. So if you are tagged in something, you can approve the tag. 
or you can decline it so it doesn't appear in your timeline etc so there's little things like that but i came close to shortly after that facebook group was was made i came close to taking my own life again and, and that was the, the point when i sort of came to a realization that okay i've got nothing left now i don't feel like i'm I've ca I'm, I'm capable of being loved i'm capable of having friends i'm capable of having a life didn't really see myself living past 16 so if there's a way of me trying to never make anyone else feel like the way i'm feeling right now i will do that because if i've got nothing left then the least i can do is is try and help other people and that's that's really where the idea for vent started or at least the the, the altruistic objective of doing something in mental health basically and it's very inspiring to hear you say that because when you're at that such a low point it's really hard to not see any other outcome other than achieving what you want to achieve. So for you to turn that around and say, I want to help people, that ultimately almost saved your life, didn't it? Yeah, I feel like looking back, um, I tried to sort of pinpoint the thing that stopped me from, from going over the edge, so to speak. I sort of realised now that it was probably the, the last shred of my, of my self-esteem or self-worth that was left telling me to to not do it and telling me that you know if you did this then you know they win and I saw it was it's it's quite I mean I'm I'm sure there's people who've got, had this mentality as well that it, it was sort of a quite an unhealthy mentality that I had to get through it because I didn't really have any other methods I didn't have any help I wasn't flagged by teachers I wasn't flagged by staff as like a, as a as a person of who was in imminent danger so the only way I sort of got through it was creating this sort of siege mentality inside my own head where I said to myself, you know, I'll prove you all wrong. I'll get through this. I'll, I'll try and get, you know, to university. I'll try and get A-levels. I'll try and get a good GCSEs to get out and have a life. And that was the only really, that was the only real way I could in any sort of sense process it or any sort of sense get through it. That's all I had really. And going back to the bullying, what were the, some of the things, just for our listeners who haven't read your articles, what were some of the mm -hmm. things that you were bullied about? In primary school, so it was it was very trivial things. So it was, you know, I'm I'm an East London boy, but I support uh, Huddersfield Town. So I'm very proud of the team I support. But back then, you know, growing up, football again was like, a, in inverted commas, a banter tool. You know, I grew up with a lot of Arsenal Man United fans the bully was an, was an Arsenal fan he used to bully me quite a lot for sporting Huddersfield and because it was that was a trivial thing he was able to get other kids to join in I wouldn't say I was massively overweight as a child I'd probably say I was a little bit overweight um, and obviously and that was obviously and that was a reason as well you know I've got a very northern name it's quite funny for a child when they're growing up so that was another reason so I had a few little things that basically paint if you're an adult you wouldn't really notice or care but as a child, everyone is looking for that. Well, especially back then, 10 to 15 years ago, as, as boys, everyone is looking for that that reason or justification to try and pick on someone. And that is the whole, if you want to put it into a nutshell, toxic masculinity right there. So I had a few things that straight away were counted against me. And it, it, it caused me to really, go, like I said previously, it caused me to really go into my shell and sort of try and run away from those things. So when I, people asked me what my football team was, I'd sort of take five years to get to it and actually say it or or I'll try and as much as I could if someone asked me even people so even now when someone says my surname or my full name out loud I get a little bit of anxiety because I go oh who's talking about me or like what what's what's going to happen next because back then 
when someone said it, it was it was followed by a laugh, or it was followed by a piece of abuse or something like that. So that was very much in primary school. And then it just followed in secondary school, really. I mean, I was those were also things that that were used, but just I think just generally my personality, I think I was I was a very extroverted guy, I still am. I was a very loud person. I was very much someone that that liked not being friends of everyone, but just liked getting along with everyone. I feel like bullies don't like that, do they? They like to pick on shy, weak individuals. So I feel like as soon as they see you being quite, you know, full of personality, I feel like they don't like that and then pick on you more. Mm. Yeah, I mean, it works both ways. I mean, in my school, the shy ones were the ones who could sort of slip through under the radar, really, because they didn't really speak up in class. And if you didn't speak up in class and you didn't really do much, what's the right phrase, what's the right way of putting this, you know, make yourself heard, Mm. then you could sort of slip through. And it was a big school, it was 250 kids. So if you were happy to just do that and fly under the radar, you could sort of get away with it. But I was very much a person that was, you know, I was very hyperactive as a child. I was very hyperactive as a kid. And I wanted to, I liked learning, but I liked mucking about as well not to a massive degree but just here and there and I think I think some teachers valued that and I think a lot of teachers didn't and I think it was very hard when I would get picked on by a class or someone would 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 sort of corral a class into doing something and the, the teacher didn't they either didn't intervene or they actually backed up the person who was was picking on me if that makes sense yeah um and that was really hard um but the teachers that I, that did support me and there was a there was a few of them um I still remember those teachers for the impact they had on me because they showed me kindness and valued my input when other people didn't and those were the the teachers that I got good I mean I got good grades in most of my classes anyway but those were the teachers I tried especially more hard for and got them the grades that they needed as a a teacher to justify their um, their job basically as well We all have mental health and it's just as important as physical health. No Really, I'm Fine shares real stories and experiences, but we aren't experts and this podcast is not an alternative to getting official medical advice. If your mental or emotional state quickly dips or you're worried about someone you know, help and support is out there. Talk to your GP or call the Samaritans on 0800 58 58 58. For advice on how to help a friend or loved one, visit rethink.org.